highest symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. All right, Hulk Hogan, and visiting you over the past week, you are hungry, but what if in the Royal Rumble, the big boss man should track you down? Well, you know me, Gene, I'm worried about a lot of things, man, in the Royal Rumble. You know, yeah, the boss man's won, but first off, me and all my Hulkamaniacs, we're looking at the Royal Rumble as the resurrection of Hulkamania, man. Oh, yeah, Hulkamania lives. Oh, yeah, Hulkamania's running wild, and you better believe the Hulkster rules, brother, but if somebody like the big boss man gets in my way, I'm going to give him a lifelong sentence of Hulkamania. Even if his partner, the bad Akeem, gets in my way, I'll press him over my head and throw him out of the ring. We got the Heenan family. We got seven foot four, 565 pounds, Andre the Giant. But I got a lot of things going for me, Mean Gene. I get the three demandments for a foundation, the training, the prayers, the vitamins, brother. And with all my little Hulksters watching my back, I don't care if it's dog-eat-dog -dog in there. I don't care if it's every man for himself because the deck is stacked in my favor and with all my little hulksters watching my back i predict victories for hulkamania all right at the risk of sounding negative hulk hogan what if you and your mega power partner the macho man randy savage in this competition where there are no partners, what if the two of you happen to collide? Well, you know, I've thought about every given situation, Mean Gene. I've thought about what would happen if this happens and what would happen if that happens. But if the Macho Man, the WWF champion, happens to end up in the ring with me, the Hulkster brother, I kind of feel sorry for him, Mean Gene. Oh, he's a friend, yeah. Yes, I love him like a brother, and we're both guided by the same manager. But when it comes down to who rules in the WWF, who is the real champion i guess if it comes down to me and the macho man he's gonna find out real quick that the hulkster's never been beaten i've got the largest arms in the world and yes macho man i am still called the champ by all my hulkamaniacs what are they gonna do when the largest arms in the world rumble on through oh what more can you say gorilla monsoon let's go back to you the Hulkster indeed is ready, Jesse. No question in my mind. He's fired up. Everybody's ready, Gorilla. Not just him. Of the 24-inch podcast is here. Uh, my name is Steve Bennett, and I had an idea a few years ago. I had an idea that I wanted to start a second podcast to go with the Sportscasters podcast. I wanted it to be about Hulk Hogan, and I knew there was only one person that could sit next to me to do it, and if I couldn't get him, I didn't want to do it at all. Um, and that, of course was uh, John D'Amato. I didn't get him, but then I decided that there was a second... No, I'm joking. The... I was going to say, Kester Dzikowicz. <laughs> the person that I knew I had to do it with was the guy I'm going to introduce now from Kearney, New Jersey, Sopranos Town, USA. 
Dave Rollins. Season three, Dave, what's going on? How you doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing pretty great, good tonight. But if I ever, for some reason, if I was uh, on the injured list or something like that, Damato wouldn't be a bad replacement for me for a show because he knows the era very well. Besides the two of us, I think uh, out of the three uh, in the podcast, podcasting uh, world, I think we're the best in the uh, golden era there. So shout out to the great John D'Amato. And um, I'm doing good. I, I, you know, I'm just doing Hollywood Dave things. I have no um, complaints to report this week since we've last talked. Nothing bad has happened to me. Been running around. Work's become a little bit of a heavy load on my shoulders lately, uh, balancing that out, trying to make some money. Uh, keeping a social life together too, keeping the the friends in check, in line, getting all trying, everybody trying to get along, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff uh, is is going on. Still going to see the local bands in my area, and uh, things have been been pretty pretty well lately com- compared to the way they were. Good, put it that way. Good, yeah. Well, season one of this show, I think, was very much what we envisioned in the sense that we wanted there to be about 25 or 26 episodes a year, that we would do it, you know, essentially bi-weekly, you know, every other week. And for the most part, the first year, we pretty much did that. There were some times where we maybe went three weeks. There were some times maybe we'd do two in back-to-back weeks. But I think, if I look back, I think we did 25 shows or something real close to that. Um, But then last year was not that. Um, The first seven and a half months or more, were completely wiped out because I was sick. We did one episode. We did a season premiere last year, which was a Terry Funk Serenity main event, I believe. Um, and we recorded that. And then on January 28th, I went to the hospital. And it really wasn't until August that I was ready to to work again. And then when I was ready, Dave wasn't ready. Um, yeah, then yeah, with me, yeah, my dog passed away and coinciding with Motley Crue being on tour. So I was like, in the summer, like drinking every night, you know, just being crazy old Hollywood. So I uh, kind of got myself in check there, and we made a re- triumphant return, I think, right around September, right? Yeah, and, 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 and it was okay. We didn't quite ever get into the rhythm maybe that we did it the first year. Um, it just seemed like there was always something holding us back. But the nice thing about a new year and a new season is that we wiped this, we wiped this like clean. And we start over. We have the show tonight. And, I mean, assuming all goes well, two weeks from now we'll do another one. And two weeks from now we'll do another one and so on. And we'll get to do We're it. trying our best. Yeah, we'll get to do about two a month and about 26 a year. And and there's a lot of things I know we want to do this year that we didn't get to do last year. You know, I, I think there's more – like we closed season two with the cartoon. I think we want to do more things like that where maybe we do a show on action figures – you know, or maybe we do a show on just Hulk merchandise in general, all the things that the Hulk Hogan name made money for Vince and Hulk and the other wrestlers. Yeah, people, a lot of people don't realize that. Right. A lot of people in hindsight that weren't that didn't listen. Like I said, how me, you and D'Amato know, we know, you know, the era because we lived it. A lot, a lot of these people on podcasts, nothing against them. You can't help when you were born. doesn't make you any less of a uh, wrestling fan. But a lot of these people didn't get into wrestling until into the, into the 90s, you know, right. some as far as the Attitude Era. Yep. So if, if they don't, you know, if they weren't there to live it, I, I understand how they might feel a certain way about it. I do understand. But if you lived it in that time, you, you just felt that magic. It was a magic that, that's been missing ever since. Absolutely. And I, and I think that, you know, maybe I, I think, too, maybe an episode like that 
we do the merch or something. That's maybe one where we might even bring in a third mic, like a D'Amato or something like that, to talk to it. Wow, about us. that'd be great. You know, to get a, another perspective. I think there's some interviews out there maybe that we might want to do. Um, if if things long as that Barry, as long as that Barry Dedinsky, I was out of the WWF every time he was uh, slinging out the merch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, who knows? But I, I think the point is, is that it's another season. You know, it's another opportunity. I know Dave and I have some homework, which I don't think either of us finished yet, where we want to write down five or six shows that we want to cover this year. Um, and we'll do that. Uh, but we're going to start. Homework. Yeah. I haven't done that my whole life. <laughs> we're going to start off with a, with an easy one tonight. Um, a, a big night in the history of the, the business and the era. And that we're going to do Royal Rumble 1989, which was the first Royal Rumble on pay-per-view, of course, in 88. Uh, they wanted to undercut a WCW show, so they offered on free TV uh, Royal Rumble 88, which I loved um, just that night. I remember it. I'm sure we'll cover it someday. Um, yeah, we can because Hulk, Hulk has, you know, he doesn't have a match, but he does play a big role in it. It's a contract signing. Right. So yeah, so it's on our radar. I'm sure as we build to when we finally decide to do WrestleMania three, I think that that's going to be like my vision is there's going to be many episodes before the WrestleMania three one uh, where we're covering things like that. You know, the contract signing, the Piper's pits, you know, whatever we'll build towards it. Um, and so we'll probably cover it then. But uh, this was the first one on pay-per-view and it was in Houston. Uh, and, um, it was a surprise winner, I would say, uh, and an interesting night. So that's what we're going to cover uh, today. Also, Paula Bennett, who is the other part of this podcast, certainly the probably the most popular uh, part of the podcast, at least with the people who listen to it. Yeah. If, if we're to believe the feedback, uh, everybody loves Paula, and she will join us at the end. Uh, and and this is kind of how we traditionally have done it. Where Paula, we got to ask Melser though his opinion who who the most popular is. I definitely I would be last. <laughs> yeah, Meltzer would not love you. Um, no. He would love Paul because everyone loves Paul. But um, traditionally, <laughs> when we can do it, her and Dave and I are together on the in the last segment of the show. And we read emails and we goof around, have a little bit of fun because of Dave's work and Paula's school and things like that. Sometimes Paul is with me now, and then Dave comes in in the second segment, and then it's just Dave and I in the fourth. Uh, I, li- I literally just tonight. I literally just walked in from work and sat down. Yeah, and we just and recorded the this. few yeah. minutes with Paula and took a yeah. break. Right, but um, you know she's got to be in bed now because uh, she has school in the morning. But something always comes up, whether it's Paul and Dave have a day off. Like in February, I know there'll be a few chances where um, there'll be days off uh, that we could maybe record. But if not, Paul is in the beginning as opposed to the end. If so, Paul is at the end instead of the beginning. T- today is one of those shows. And sometimes we have her like a like a whole show for if we do like a rock and wrestling. Yeah, sometimes thing, yeah. Like, and when we did the car- when we did the cartoon, like you said, yeah, she was on uh, for that. So I mean, she's welcome to be on as much as she wants when uh, it's permitting that we can record and she's awake. Um, so there'll definitely be plenty of Paula Bennett this year, and she'll join us uh, later. Also tonight, we are going to talk a little bit about the Royal Rumble, give you the background on it. Uh, we're also going to talk about the. Houston Summit. Uh, talk a little bit about that arena. It's one we haven't done yet. Uh, then we're gonna oh, yeah. we're gonna read the news. One of our favorite things to do on the show is we will go and look back at the month that the match or the event that we're covering was taped, and we read the news from that era. So we'll talk about what was going on in the world in January '89, just to get a little bit of context about what life was like then, 
and um, we we will do that, and it's always really fun. And Dave kind of cracks wise as I kind of uh, read the news and maybe quiz him a little bit on the sports things that still blows my mind. He doesn't know. We'll try my best, but he tries his best. Um, and then uh, we'll go over the card. We'll go over Hulk's involvement, which is a little different this time, obviously because he's in the Rumble. It's a little bit different. Usually, if he has a match, say, and and the match, let's say we do an MSG, and the match is like the middle uh, main event. We'll do we'll we'll just skip over it and and we'll always do it last, but a little bit different this time. But we'll talk. We'll obviously focus on Hulk's night as well as the whole card, the matches, and all that as well. Um, so and we'll do emails at the end. Like I said, we'll announce what our next show is going to be. Uh, really a full full episode here as we kick off the third season. Anything else you want to mention, Dave? Before we get rolling. Oh, it's a great card. It's an easy watch. You know, sometimes like we do the superstars, a syndicated show, you know, uh, 45 minutes, you know, boom, watch it. Sometimes the pay-per-view is, oh, I got to sit down for three hours here. It flew by. And, uh, you know, I know the show well, of course, but uh, those three hours just flew by and I really enjoyed myself uh, watching this one again. It's been a while. Yeah, Paul and I watched it a couple of days ago over the weekend and really enjoyed watching it. Um, and, you know, this time of the year, I always like to watch this show or you know, 88 or 90 or 91 or even 92. Uh, Anything from, from 80, 88, whatever, it's different. There's only 20 guys, you know, it's on TV. But anything from 89, and I'll stop at 93, those are all phenomenal. Pick any one of the ones. I like the Flair one, I guess, the best. But, I mean, 89 through 93, at 94 on, it started changing. They started coming out every minute. They started coming out to their music and just – it wasn't. It wasn't the same, and never. It never was the same since. And one thing I really don't like about the Attitude Era. I know I like it a little bit more than Dave, but one thing I never did like about it is I thought the Rumbles were really bad during the Attitude, Attitude yeah, Era. Um, They're fighting all over the building and stuff. Yeah, just it, too much. It was just too. And much. you lo- you lost you lost Gorilla. Gorilla is a, a big big thing, and J- if it's Jesse or Bobby with them, it doesn't matter. But it, you know that pairing, the, the commentators. You need the right commentators. Absolutely. As well for these rumbles. All right. Well, we're going to take a break, and we will be right back uh, with the 1989 Royal Rumble. Oh, yeah. Thank you for listening to the 24-Inch Podcast. Don't forget to check out my other podcast, The Sportscasters, 10 years in the making. You can find it on Twitter, at sports underscore caster, or download episodes wherever you found this podcast. You can find the 24-inch podcast on Twitter as well. We're at the number two, the number four, the word inch podcast, at 24-inch podcast. Email us at 24inchpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget about our friend Peter Winson and greeting from Allentown. It's at GF Allentown Pod. Twenty-four inch podcast back, season three, episode one, our third season, and we're starting off with a really great pay per view. Uh, one of the ones, just at the time, I, I just loved the business and loved wrestling so much, and look forward to these days. And, oh my god. And this is certainly one of those days. Royal Rumble 1989 from Houston. Uh and what we're going to do which we always do is usually we'll do the bio of Hulk's opponent. 
Hulk doesn't have a specific opponent tonight. And instead of cherry picking one out of the card that he may wrestle another time instead of burning that person um, in that spot, we'll talk a little bit about the rumble itself. And then the other thing we do in this segment is we talk about the arena and we'll certainly talk about the Houston summit and what it has become. It's something different now. And then we will also find out from my friend Dave, what Hulk was up to around this time uh, back in 89. I, right. I, I always think of it as like, if you watch a syndicate episode, when the plane flies in, the WWF on tour. It's kind of coming to these areas yeah. facilities with action. It's our version of that. Um, so let's start with the Rumble. Um, it is a professional wrestling pay per view. It's been produced annually since 1988. So this is number two. This was the first one on pay per view. The initial 1988 event was broadcast as a television special on the USA Network. And then it moved to pay per view in 1989. Um, in 2015, it became available on the network um, to live stream and then over to Peacock in 2022. It's also been released in a DVD box sets. I can see mine. I have the first three. I didn't bother buying the fourth one. I didn't care. No. Um, but I got the first three across the way there. Um, so it's been released every way they could think of it, I'm sure. Um, uh, but why don't you, Dave, if you want to explain. Well, actually, let's start with this. Why was it not a pay-per-view the first year? Uh, well, the NWA was uh, doing uh, their own pay-per-view over at the Nassau Coliseum, right in the WWF's backyard, right here in Uniondale, Long Island, New York. And uh, I am not an NWA fan by any means until uh, the Hulkster went over there in 94. Then I became a big WCW fan almost right up until the end. And um, I uh, Bunkhouse something, Bunkhouse Stampede, I guess. I think Road Warrior Hawk uh, took on Flair for the title. I'm just shooting this off my head right now, so I don't know if so. If I'm wrong, don't don't kill me on that. But uh, I don't know why the WWF felt the need to to compete with that because I don't think anybody really gave a shit. <laughs> you know what? A, what, what a draw! Three thousand flies in the Nassau Coliseum. You know what I mean? But yeah, it was um, a bust. The event was a huge. Bust. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think it would have mattered if the Royal Rumble was on or not. But Vince always you know, he liked to stick it to him, and uh, just like he says those words, "Stand back, brother." And uh, that's what happened. So we had the free show here. So none, six people ordered the, the NWA pay-per-view. But, hey, Ric Flair is the greatest of all time, right? Woo! <laughs> I, lo- I love you, Rick, but come on now. Come on now. Let's be real and stop with this revisionist history. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, Vince uh, wanted to counteract the uh, pay-per-view of the NWA bunkhouse stampede or whatever it was called. In the uh, WWF's backyard, the Nassau Coliseum. So Pat Patterson came up with this idea: if you do like a backwards battle royal, like have the guys come in, eat, you know, every every two minutes. And Vince didn't like the idea, but uh, they they tested it out at some house shows, and I actually was at one of those house shows where they tested it. They were testing them out, uh, but actually, mine I think came after the TV one. But it was, you know, I guess they did a couple months of it. Jake won the one I was at at the Meadowlands right here in East Rutherford, New Jersey. And, um, yeah, so they were testing them out. It was only 20 guys for those uh, test runs. And, and the 88 one was only 20 guys at once. But, um, yeah, two, uh, a wrestler comes. It's just a battle royal. But without without starting with all the guys in the ring, a guy comes out every two minutes. And you pick a number at random. Pretty cool. Yeah, really cool. Pat Patterson. Uh, basically credited by everyone, kind of the brainchild behind it. And it, forever, it was considered one of the big four pay-per-views uh, with 
SummerSlam, WrestleMania, and Survivor Series. Uh, and they became the big four because they were the first four, and they were the only four for a while. And then as the business changed and greed and all that, it expanded. I guess King of the Ring was probably next. And some people even say there's the big five and would include King of the Ring. But that's yeah. I don't do that. Um, for one year, 93, because Hulk was still there. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so the Royal Rumble. And um, really kind of, I think a lot of people who are LAPS fans, if you ask them what's something you remember about the time you're wrestling fans you really loved, a lot of people will say this. It's a very popular match. You know, and... and it, I still watch it. This is one This is one show where, I guess it's a couple of weeks away. I'll, I'll be watching it. Okay, I will. Whereas I, I won't be, I'll, but... No, no. Whereas I won't watch anything else, probably besides WrestleMania and maybe SummerSlam, depending on what I'm doing that day. But these are the two I I, I never miss: Royal Rumble and uh, WrestleMania. I like to watch the Smarks cry, the neckbeards, when like Daniel Bryan or somebody like that doesn't win. It's great, and then you go on YouTube and you see them trashing their house and breaking their toy wrestling belts and everything. It's wild. <laughs> well, they have two now, which I love it, which I hate. Um, you know, I'm not saying that there shouldn't be a women's one. Just having two in the same night just diminishes it in some way. Um, mm. and I, look, they're just they're just not doing anything now that's for me. So if I'm gonna sit down and spend two hours on a Sunday and watch Royal Rumble, I'm gonna watch one of the ones I like. I'm not gonna sit there and watch something I hate. I, I just, you know, I don't understand that. So sometimes you get surprised though. You get yeah, like, uh, and then if, if I find out that you know. Hulk Hogan comes out as number 28, then I'll watch it. It's out there. Well, actually, it's reminded me of something. Uh, Hulk Hogan is heavily rumored to be on Raw this Monday night. I don't know if we'll, the show our show should be out by then. January 23rd, it'd be a 39-year anniversary of him winning the title to the day. Uh, Ric Flair said in his podcast that Hulkster will be there. However, he has not yet been advertised. So, now, is that uh, the 30th anniversary episode? Of Monday Night Raw, Raw XXX. Yeah, okay, so that'd be cool, I guess. Week. Yeah, so it'll, I'm sure it'll pop. Up, it'll pop a rating. You know. Yeah. All right, moving on. Let's talk now about the Lakewood Church Central Campus. What? Yes, the Lakewood Church <laughs> Central Campus is. Oh, that, that's in that's in Houston. That's where my very dear, close, personal, longtime friend Bruce Pritchard is a minister uh, called Brother Love. Right? Yes, that's his church. Uh, it's the main facility of Lakewood Church, a mega church in Houston, Texas, five miles southwest of downtown Houston, next to the Greenway Plaza. From 1975 to 19 to 2003, the building served as a multi-purpose sports arena. There we go for professional teams, notably the NBA's Houston Rockets. It was known as the Summit till 1998. Then it was the Compact Center. So they took that corporate money. Uh, then right. it was called the uh, Toyota Center. Um, the, the Toyota Center is the building that then opened to replace it. Um, and having the two sports venues in the same city, maybe they didn't need them. And, uh, and oh, God, God forbid they took the corporate money and the wrestling fans still went to the arena. Ooh. <laughs> and the building was leased to Lakewood Church. And then seven years later in 2010, uh, the church built uh, bought the building outright. Uh, let's go back to the creation of this building, which hold, held 16,800 for basketball, ice hockey, and indoor soccer. Uh, they broke ground construction of it December of 1973. It opened November 1st, 1975, and closed December 1st, 2003 for sports purposes. 
Um, it costs $27 million to build or about $165 million in today's dollars. Um, again, the main tenant here was the Houston Rockets, uh, and they won two championships there um, in 1994 and 1995. Hakeem Olajuwon, the star player there. Dave, who did they beat in the 94 NBA Finals? 94 NBA Finals. Uh, I know the Chicago Bulls, I don't think they lost, right, in, in any final game. I know that was their time in the early 90s. Yeah, this, this but 94. The, 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 I'll give you a clue here. The Rockets won the two years that Jordan was off playing baseball. Okay, so, so, the Bulls, so it is the Bulls. No. The, Jordan no. was gone, so they weren't competing. At this oh, so they weren't. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Yeah, I'll, you'll, uh, you'll know why I asked you this. The the Knicks. The Knicks were it's who they beat. Yep. They beat the Knicks in 1994. The Knicks and the Rangers went seven games in the final of their league. Rangers won. Well, of course games. I know that. You know how I know that? Because O.J. Simpson was hanging out with me that night. Yes, and that this was While this the, was going on. Yes, the famous final yeah. where O.J. was uh, during one of the games. O.J. was running in the Bronco. Yeah, we're, we're, we're cruising around. You know who the hell I am. What's <laughs> yes. his friend's name? Yeah, uh, A.C. Collins. A.C. Collins. A.C. Collins. Yep. Good stuff. The Summit also hosted the WNBA Championships, 1997 through 2000, all of which were won by the home team, the Houston Comets. I know Dave's a big WNBA fan. Uh, sure. The first ever professional wrestling event at the Summit was promoted by Houston Wrestling on May 29, 1997, headlined by the WA heavyweight champion Nick Bockwinkel versus... What year we're we talking here? 77. Oh, 77. Uh, Bachwinkle and um, a big name AWA. in Texas wrestling. In Texas wrestling, big name. Uh, well, Kerry wasn't wrestling in '77. Uh, Fritz wasn't wrestling in '77. Give me another hint. Uh, he was part of our season premiere, season two. Stan Hansen, Terry Funk. Oh shit! Yeah. Amarillo, I'm across ranch. July uh, January 7th, 79, Dusty Rhodes won the NWA Texas Brass Knuckles Championship from Mark Lewin. That's one hell of a belt. Um, <laughs> the World Wrestling Federation aired their first TV card from the venue on October 19th, 1986. 86. I asked me a question about this. I'll okay, who did Hulk Hogan defend his title against? Mr. Wonderful, Paul Ondor. And they had a tag team battle royal for how much money? The winner. $50,000. 50, $50,000. days all over it. Uh, it held the Royal Rumble on January 15th, 89. Um, and the newly renamed Compact Center hosted No Way Out of Texas pay-per-view February 15th, 1998. And it also held Bad Blood, the first brand-exclusive pay-per-view held in the United States in 2003. It also hosted uh, a live episode of SmackDown two days after 9-11. The first major wow. entertain, entertainment event in the United States after the September 11 attacks. Amazing. I remember watching that live. Absolutely. Yeah, so do I. Uh, yeah. Prior to the construction of the Cynthia Woods Mitchell Pavilion and later the Toyota Center, the summit was the main Houston venue for large pop and rock music concerts. Um, so that means many of the bands that we know and love played there, including The Who, uh, the Eagles, these easy top, Led Zeppelin, Bad Company, Aerosmith, Kiss, Queen, 
Bruce Springsteen, the Bee Gees, Billy Joel, Kansas, Journey, Cindy Lauper, um, Prince, Motley Crue on the Theater of Pain tour. Motley Crue, baby. The concert portion of the original video for their big hit, Home Sweet Home, was shot right. there. Yeah. Wow, okay. Awesome, man. Yeah, that's a great video. That girl showed her uh, boom, she you did, know what? Yeah. October 4th, 85 was the night of that concert. Uh, Michael Jackson on the Bad Tour. Uh, what else? We got Metallica there, Madonna, Whitney Houston, um, Ricky Martin, Kid Rock, American Idol Season 1, ZZ Top. Uh, many, 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 many concerts there. Uh, then it became a church. Basically, uh, it was a huge venue. Yeah, after Motley Crue, you know, there was... Yeah, that definitely needed to bless that place, I guess, right? Yeah. Um, So it is a church now, and uh, still to this day, uh, because on March 31st, 2010, the Houston Council voted 13-2 to to sell the property outright to the church. They own it, and you can go to service there on Sunday if you would like. And that is the Summit in houston all right dave one last piece of business to do here before we move on and talk about the card itself and do the news in the next segment this is my where i turn it over to you dave where was hulk in december january however you went with it uh at this time here in 1989 okay we're gonna start off by saying happy new year 1989 i remember i was i was uh fighting with my aunt and uncle because the three stooges had a new year's eve marathon on and uh, my aunt wanted to watch uh, Dick Clark, and I wouldn't turn off WOR to, to, from the Stooges to put on Dick Clark, so there was a little bit of heat there. So, Happy New Year, 1989. We're going to start off on January 1st at Auburn Hills, Michigan, at the Palace of Auburn Hills. Uh, Hulk Hogan over the big boss man by disqualification. Next night, over in Evansville, Indiana, at Roberts Municipal Stadium. This is January 2nd. Hogan once again over the boss man. We got a big Superstars of Wrestling taping on January 3rd in Huntsville, Alabama at the famous Von Braun Civic Center. Hulk Hogan over the big boss man by countout in a dark match. Uh, what he would do by, he would win a lot of these matches by countout. He would handcuff the boss man to the top rope and then do a running clothesline. If boss man's feet would hit the floor and he would get counted out that way. I thought that was an amazing finish to those matches. You can find one on the uh, MSG network. Uh, on that same taping, this would air on January 21st after the Rumble. Uh, the Macho Man defended his title against Akeem, or probably non-title match against Akeem, winning by DQ when the Big Boss Man interfered. Hogan comes in, saves Macho Man, cleans house, slams Boss Man, slams Akeem, and Macho Man gives Hogan dirty looks. I mean, come on, you just saved your tail. We're on Saturday Night's Main Event a few weeks prior. It took, we've all seen that when they were doing the same to Hogan. Macho Man was watching it on TV in the back with Mean Gene saying, he'll be all right, he'll be all right. But hey, Hogan's at fault, right? Come on now. January 4th, Birmingham, Alabama. Wrestling Challenge taping at the Jefferson Civic Center. Hogan over the boss man in a dark match. January 8th, Charlotte, North Carolina. Woo, Ric Flair. Ric Flair, the greatest of all time. His area. 13,500, Hogan over Boss Man Countout. I wonder if Flair Drew ever drew 13,500 at the Charlotte Coliseum. Maybe close, but I don't know about that. We'll have to check into that. Uh, January 13th at the Boston Garden, 1230. I'm sorry, 12,000 people. Uh, it was aired on Nesson. Boss Man over Hogan this time on a disqualification. 
Next day, January 14th, New Orleans, Louisiana at the Lakefront Arena. Hogan over the Big Boss Man. And then, finally, we are at the Royal Rumble. Houston, Texas, the Summit. 19,000 sellout. Hogan is in the Royal Rumble. And a few more, I guess, we could uh, do here. You want to do a few more? Go for it. Love it. All right. Uh, January 16th. Pensacola, Florida, the Civic Center, 7,600, Hogan over Boss Man. He's a pretty much cookie cutter here. January 26th, the Rosemont Horizon, 6,200, Boss Man over Hogan by DQ. January 21st, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Coliseum, Hogan over Boss Man. January 22nd, Omaha, Nebraska, Civic Auditorium, big sellout at 19,280, uh, Hogan over Boss Man by Countout. And finally, January 23rd, MSG in front of 14,000, not a sellout at the Garden. That uh, shocks me a little bit there. Still a big house. Uh, if this aired on MSG Network a few days later on January 27th, Boss Man over Hogan by disqualification. Yeah, I think that do it. that Christmas one in December was always such a big show that sometimes the January one would struggle a little bit. Yeah, that could catch me off guard. We're starting to get into that area now where people were, were – Getting more cable, right? You and that's the reason why I, yep. yeah, that's the that's the reason why I didn't go. A lot of the MSGs, I would go right here to the Meadowlands and say, no, we're not taking you there. You're going through the tunnel, all the traffic. When we could just watch it on TV. So this is around the time when I start showing them a few days delayed. It wasn't live. Then once you got into the early '90s, they would delay them a week, a week and a half even. And then finally, by '92 ish, uh, that was it. They, they cut it for once the contract ran out for that. That exact reason. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right. Uh, with all that said, nice job, Dave. I always enjoy that. Love to hear where the Hulkster was and what he was up to uh, during this era. Uh, what we're going to do now, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to read the news from January 1989, and then we are going to cover the January 15, 1989 Royal Rumble from Houston, Texas at the Summit. So, Dave, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. WWF, what the world is watching. Hulk Hogan! Bad News Brown! Hacks and Smash Demolition! Hakeem the African Dream! The Red Rooster! And Jake the Snake Roberts! Luke and Butch the Bushwhackers! Greg the Hammer Valentine! Andre the Giant, Rick Martel, The Rockers, Big John Scott, and the Honky Tonk Man, Rugged Ronnie Garvin, and the Brain Busters, Tito Santana, and the Powers of Pain, The Big Boss Man, and Coco Beware, Hercules. Outlaw Ron Vance, Mr. Perfect, Brutus the Barber, the Million Dollar Man, the Macho Man, Randy Savage, all participating in the Royal Rumble. Twenty-four inch podcast. It's 
time to have some fun. Let's get this going. Season 3, Episode 1. It's time to read the news! All right, Dave, January 1st, 1989, the New York City Transit Fair rises from $1 to $1.15. And I'll just say this, what a pain in the ass that is. You know, like instead of just having a dollar, now you got to have 15 freaking cents to go with it. Yeah, it's just going to hold matters up. Yeah, it just seems like more of a pain. Digging for it. Yeah. Giving change back. I wonder what it is now. I've always had a car. Well, I've always had a car as long as it's not stolen. (laughs) I don't know that you could get me to go on a New York City subway right now. I, I just yeah. in the era of the internet, I just seen too many videos. I just wouldn't feel comfortable down there. I'm not. I'm not there enough. I don't have to worry about like a day to day commute. Where if I'm there for four or five days, I'm just gonna Uber and cab. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, I'm not. Tomato De- uh, probably tell you. We, we, well, we have here in New Jersey uh, a path train, Harris, Harrison, New Jersey, one town over to, over from me that takes you right to Journal Square in Jersey City, New Jersey. Then you change, and then you change over on that train, and you can go right to Madison Square Garden. But I still would almost rather drive. It's it's just I don't know. It, it's the pain in the ass. It's not pain in the ass going there. You're pumped up, but coming back and then waiting for the other train. It's like it just drains you. Especially if you want to make it back to the bar for a beer or something. Instead of paying those New York City prices, you know. Yeah. yeah. So everybody's always in a bad mood. Like gets you to, from from a good night out at a concert or a wrestling match or whatever. It just um, it brings the mood down a bit, these, these trains. Not for me. January 2nd, the 18th Fiesta Bowl is played. Number one, Notre Dame beats number three, West Virginia, 34-21 to 21 to secure the national title. I believe to this day the last national title uh, that Notre Dame won. Yeah, well, it was. It was the last one. Yeah, okay. Dave, Dave confirms that. Yeah. Uh, number yeah. two, Miami beat Nebraska in the Orange Bowl. Florida State beat Auburn in the Sugar Bowl and the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all, as Keith Jackson would say. Uh, Big Ten Michigan beat Pac-12 USC. I thought that was what uh, Dusty Rhodes would say. Dusty stole that from Keith. WCW Saturday Night, baby, the granddaddy, or Starcade, baby, the granddaddy of them all. Yep, he borrowed that from Keith. Dusty, a big football fan, 22-14. Uh, Underrated commentator in the dream, in my opinion. Yeah, dream was good. Uh, what else do we got going? January 4th, George H.W. Bush, the first and his first sitting vice president since Millard Fillmore to declare himself president of the United States. Right. I remember this being like the first like new president that I understood. You know, I was in the third grade. You know, at this time, because when Reagan went in, you know, uh, Reagan did two terms and, you know, what, what was 84, I guess, what, five, six, seven, eight. Yep. No, 80. He yeah. won in 80 and won in 84. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, our age, we didn't know what the fuck was going on, you know, then. So this is like, for me, I knew, I guess, the first time I remember, yeah, like, they brought sure. a, t- a, TV, a TV into school for, you know, they rolled the TV into the classroom for the inauguration and uh, all that kind of jazz. So it was pretty cool to see. Pretty exciting. Absolutely. Uh, January- then he threw up. On, then he threw up on national television. <laughs> he did. He threw up on the the Japanese prime minister or something, right? Or yeah, the ultimate warrior got him beat though after that. <laughs> January fifth, baseball signs a four hundred million dollar deal with ESPN, 
uh, to show 175 games in 1990. I would say probably to get a deal like that now, you're probably talking about 1.2, 1.3 billion, uh, just to show how the numbers have changed. Wow. Uh, let's see what else is going on here. The January 8th, the AFC Championship game is played at Riverfront Stadium. And this is interesting. The Cincinnati Bengals beat the Buffalo Bills 21 to 10. Um, and Dave, Saturday, no, Sunday at 3 o'clock, the Cincinnati Bengals will face the Buffalo Bills in the AFC Divisional Playoff game this time right. around. Yeah. Well, I just saw the Giants. Uh... With I guess you call it an upset over the Vikings. Slight upset. I, I, Slight upset. I went to uh, a, I went to a water park with uh, my friend Melanie, uh, a lady a lady friend of mine, and um, it was a birthday party for a friend of hers, uh, grandchild, and uh, so we're up by Philadelphia, way up that way, and we caught it at a bar on a Fridays on the way home, the second half, and just just being there south, dollar drafts. Wow. You can't get a beer, you can't get a beer for under five dollars around here, brother. Wild, nice price. Yeah, yeah. So we had, we had a nice little Sunday there. I'm sure you did. Uh, the NFC Championship game that day, Soldier Field in Chicago. Uh, Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, and the San Francisco 49ers beat the Bears 28 to three to set up a Super Bowl in a couple weeks of. This is like the start. Go ahead. This is like the start of their run, the 49ers, right? Uh, in like the middle that. of it. In the middle of it. They've, middle already, of it. they've already won a Super Bowl or two by here. So you had the Giants in uh, 87, right? 86, 87. Right. And then, then in the Redskins. Right? Uh, yeah, then the Redskins. Yeah. yeah Redskins. Yeah. And uh, the, wasn't there a couple of back-to-back Niners? Yeah, they win here, and then oh, they win the next year. They beat Denver. Right. Okay. Yep. And then they lose to the Giants in the NFC Championship game the next year. Yeah, when they knocked out uh, with Lawrence Taylor and a uh, dear friend of mine, Leonard Marshall, uh, yes. took out Joe Montana. Vicious hit, vicious hit. A very a friend of yours as well, Leonard Marshall. Oh yeah, big big close friends with Leonard. You met him. You met him. Uh, January 9th, Pat Sajak show premieres on CBS. Uh, Isn't it amazing? He's up early enough to do Wheel of Fortune and stays up all night to do a late night show. It's a long day, you know. It's a long day. It's a very long day. Yeah. yeah. It's a long day. yeah, yeah. Thank God, Vanna White uh, kind of came came in the middle there to pep him up. January 9th, Johnny Bench and Carl Yastrzemski are elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Two no doubters there. Uh, speaking of Hall of Famers, on January tenth, oh, they played with Gwen, Gwen Stefani. Yes, Gwen was a big part of their careers. no doubters. No yeah, doubters. There were no doubters. Uh, they got caught in her spider web. <laughs> January 10th, LA King center, Wayne Gretzky comes the NHL's all-time leading scorer in combined regular season and playoff points. He had four assists and a five to four home win over Edmonton. That brings his total to 2011. One more than Gordie Howe. It's kind of a made up record there. I mean, they don't really keep a record for regular season and playoff points combined, but none made up sports is what our podcast is all about. True. <laughs> Um, oh, a crazy day in the Bronx. January 11th. Not sure this would make the news today, but a kindergarten student was caught with a loaded handgun at a school in the Bronx. Wow. Yeah, that's every day today. And yeah. not just the Bronx. Crazy. Crazy. Right here in Kearney, New Jersey, we had uh, something going on a couple couple of, couple of Fridays ago where they had evacuated school. It turned out to be nothing much of anything, but uh, something. Yeah, it's always something lately. Never when I was in school. More, cra- that much. more craziness on January 13. Jerry Parks 
and Oklahoma Sooners defensive back as Chargers shooting a, t- a teammate. My goodness. Uh, mm-hmm. Computers across Britain are hit by the Friday the ter- 13th slash Jerusalem virus. Wow. Tough day. For I, wonder what Jason, I wonder what Jason thought of that. Tough day for computers back then. Uh, Subway vigilante Bernard Getz begins his one-year jail sentence. Famous. Oh, Charles, I heard Charles Bronson bailed him out. Famous case back then in New York. Uh, let's see. What else is going on? January 15th, the Ace Cable Awards. HBO wins the Golden Cable Ace for Dear America, Letters Home from Vietnam. I don't know if they still do, still do the Ace Cable Awards or not. Yeah, I haven't heard that uh, name in a while. I think uh, Bob Wharton retired. Right, so the, the they don't do that, that no more. Yeah. yeah, well, good for no. the Ace. Yeah, yeah. We thought Randy might take over, but it didn't happen. No, they're not going to have the um, what's his nickname, Orton? Uh the Viper. The Viper, yeah, the Viper Awards. Okay. There you go. Yeah. All right, January fifteenth, cerebral palsy telethon raises twenty two point six million. It's a nice job telethon. Still have cerebral palsy though. Right. So I don't know that it's too bad. It worked. I don't know, maybe. Well, who knows where that money went? Who knows? Uh, maybe to the Saudis. January seventeenth, and a gunman opens up fire in a California schoolyard. Five students slain, thirty wounded. My goodness, tough, tough yeah, month there. Nineteen eighty nine here. I'm saying none of our eighties years. Yeah, this any is kind of stuff like that. Usually unusual. People are on edge. They didn't want the eighties to end. That's what it was. They That's were, what was going on. They were right. Uh, January 18th, the 4th Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees. You ready for this class? Ready. Dion. You know, Run Around Sue. Hey. Run Around Sue. And I wonder why. One of my favorite songs of all time. Great song. Otis Redding. Sitting on the dock of the Good bay. Good one. Uh, the Rolling Stones. Heard of them. Uh, it took this long one to get it for them to get in? I mean, well, I mean, if, if Dion's just getting in, but all right. Well, let's see, 89, 25, with that 25 years? I don't know. Oh, you got to be 25 years, yeah, so. I don't know okay. if the yeah, math, no, how the math works on that or not, but. And they they got to be first ballot. I mean, come yeah, on. This is the year they went in. The Temptations also went yeah. in. Stevie Wonder, The Ink Spots, Bessie Smith, The Soul Stirs, and Phil Spector, the producer. So quite a powerhouse class there. Uh, sure President, is. President Reagan on January 19th. He pardons George Steinbrenner for illegal funds um, that he gave Nixon, I guess, uh, which is essentially his last day in office because on January 20th, George H.W. Bush is inaugurated as the 41st president, Dan Quayle becoming the 44th vice president. And what we read earlier. Framed, go ahead. framed by George Costanza. Yes, George Costanza. January 20th, Pittsburgh Penguins center Mario Lemieux becomes just the second player in NHL history. Score 50 goals in less than 50 games. That's pretty sick. What is it, Mario Lemieux? No, it's Lemieux. But I could see why you might think Lemieux. I'm kidding, I'm kidding around. It's like go. <laughs> they, they make these shirts, go Saints. But they spell it the French way, I guess, because, you know, Louisiana, the French Quarter. And I remember I wore it to school or something one day, and these kids were like, what the hell? Gook Saints? Gook Saints? Same thing. Um, okay, this is interesting. Ronald Reagan, on the 20th, becomes the first elected U.S. president who was elected in a zero year, so 1980, since 1840, to leave the office alive. 
Wow. So any president wow. elected with a zero, for example, John F. Kennedy elected in 1960, obviously did not leave alive. And we've never seen it. We, and we, in our lifetime, have never seen a president not leave alive. Right. Until perhaps very shortly. <laughs> no, I am, I am not a Biden supporter by any means. I don't want to see the man lose his life. No, and but, I, don't, uh, I don't want to see the alternative yeah. either. You're right. Uh, yes, 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 yes. I sound like a smart right now with all those yeses, but uh, yes, yes, yes. All right, January 22nd, <laughs> the Super Bowl is played. But the smarts don't like Kamala, so. <laughs> the Super Bowl is played Joe Robbie Stadium, Miami, Florida San Francisco 49ers beat the Cincinnati Bengals 20-16 to The MVP is Jerry Rice uh, Joe Montana leads a famous last minute drive and passes to John Taylor in the end zone and there's the famous story that to break the ice in the huddle right before they started the drive, Joe Montana looked up into the crowd and pointed out John Candy and said, hey guys, John Candy's here. Awesome. Kind One of, of my favorite actors of all time. Kind of a cool story. Yeah. He just makes me. I, I could be in the worst mood in the world, and if I see John Candy or hear him, it just it, it just changes. Yeah, something about that guy. He 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 just had it. What a bit major loss at such a young age. Uh, January twenty fourth, a really scary moment here for young Hollywood Dave. So he had a, he knew he had to change his lifestyle. The first reported case of AIDS transmitted by heterosexual right. oral sex was uh, documented. Hmm. Yeah. I'm in some trouble. Yes, you were. That was big for you back then. Uh, Michael Jordan on the 25th scores his 10,000th NBA point. Lots of sports going on here in January of 89. And I'm skipping over a ton, too. Uh, January. Also, to- add- yeah, go ahead. go ahead. I want to add it. I think we're past the date. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, and it was a blockbuster at the box office. And me and uh, – the incomparable Tim Mangione, uh, still quote this movie all the time, Twins was released oh, I love in Twins, movie theaters, too. I believe, right around ja- early January of 89. Maybe even come out of late 88, but it blew up in, in, in 89. What a, what, a, what a movie there. I could just watch and watch and watch and watch over and over. Great movie. Um, yeah. Someone got me the Born to be Bad t-shirt as a Christmas gift for me. Yeah, I got it. I got it, too. Yeah. That's some shit. January 26th, Madison Square Garden announces a two-year, $100 million renovation plan. And it's since been renovated a few times since as well. They love renovating that place. Yeah, well, it makes sense because um, after April 89, there were no uh, WWF shows there until September 89. Uh, MSG Network aired the Meadowlands and Nassau for the summer. Yep, they were renovating. Uh, January 28th, the 46th Golden Go. Awards, uh, best picture there, Rain Man. Uh, Speaking of the Golden Globes, um, R.I.P. to Lisa Marie Presley. Oh, horrible! I yeah. think I think she should have been brought into a brought to a hospital if you're seeing her in that condition at at, at the Golden Globe. From someone that struggled with addiction myself, I mean, they shouldn't have let her go home right from uh, right from there. The, the way the condition she was in, and maybe she'd still be with us. Rough. But, what are you going to do? Very, yeah. Very sad. I know she's really struggled since her child passed away, I think. Yes. Yeah. It's got to be yeah. a, a big part of it. Uh, January 20th. Just a couple more. January 28th. Stuffy Graf beats a Czech player whose name I'm not even going to attempt. 6464 for her sixth career Grand Slam title and her second Australian Open title. Who's she married to now, Dave? Stuffy Graf. Stuffy Graf is married to um, Mark McGrath. No, Andre Agassi. Good guess, though. Oh, oh, eat your heart out, Andre Agassi. Yep, yep. I like that guess. That's not bad. 
All right. What else? Maybe we could do one or two more here if I can find a good one. I got that one off the fly. Get it? <laughs> 23 years old. Uh, January 29th. I didn't know what to make of that shit when it first came out. Oh, what the hell is yeah, this shit? It wasn't for me. You know, some people used to tell me uh, back in those days I kind of looked like him. Not anymore. <laughs> back then. Orlando, January 29th, the Orlando Arena opens in Orlando, Florida, and also hosted a pay-per-view. He hosted some pay-per-views. And then we'll end on this. January 30th, the 16th American Music Awards. George Michael wins Pop Superstar Award. Randy Travis repping the country stuff. And that is the news in January. Some grim stuff there, but some good stuff as well. January. The news! All right. With the news behind us, it's time to move on to the Royal Rumble. Uh, it was held January 15th, 1989. It basically, they would do it when they could the week in between the NFC and AFC Championship Games and the Super Bowl. That was so cool that they did that. Yeah. I think the, the buys probably went up so much more for that. People like, you know, sports fans. A lot of sports fans. My dad, diehard sports fan. Diehard. He doesn't like hockey, but everything else. And, but, um, you know, he, and he was a professional wrestling fan. He actually still watched it now. I don't know how. But uh, he watched it now as an 80-year-old man. But, um, yeah, he, he used to get excited about that. Be, everybody would be bored that week. You yeah. know, in between with, with nothing on. And for me growing up here in Buffalo, when the Bills were kind of on their run, the Bills would win. They'd be getting ready to go to the Super Bowl. My parents would be happy. And I'd say, can we get wrestling? There's no football game that day. And they'd say yes, almost always. I actually have, uh, I'm sure you do too. But I want to, I wanna, before I forget, I want to tell the story. I actually have a big story about this day, January 15th, 1989. Go for it. My cousins lived across the street from me. And uh, my cousin Kelly was born January 15th, 1988. So this was her first birth. I just actually, she lives in California now. I just had, she visited for Christmas Eve and just had uh, dinner with her. And so hi, Kelly, if you're listening. But um, it was her birthday party. And these were wild cousins. They were young, you know, her her parents were late 20s and my other cousins and everything. And so they had the birthday party over there during the day. And the next day was Martin Luther King Day, so we're all off school. So then everybody came over at 4 o'clock to watch the Royal Rumble. And it was wild. It was just – and the pizza box was on the uh, stove, and somehow it went on fire. And Uncle Tito had to grab the pizza box, and he's running (laughs) out the kitchen with it outside, throwing it outside, stopping, everybody's cheering. And I just remember my dad saying, like, for the next Royal Rumble, the next year, like, this is the only only one where you all behave. You're all, like – just watching the TV, you're so into it. Because, you know, the other pay-per-views, sometimes we start wrestling around, fooling around, sure. yelling, screaming, you know, yep. kids, like kids are, and parents get pissed off. He's like, well, but the, when the Royal Rumble starts, everybody's eyes were glued on it. So, like, the, this is my favorite one. So, yeah, that's a very, very memorable day on Devon Street in Kearney, New Jersey, January 15th, 1989. Like many pay-per-views around this time, my friend Don at a cheater box, and we watched there. And... um you know, this was no different. Watch WrestleMania five there. Watch WrestleMania four there. So right around this these years, this is when he had it, and we would watch reviews there. And nothing great or crazy happened much, other than the fact that no fires. No, no fires. Nobody ran any. We got together. We, we parents sat in the kitchen and played cards and drank and stuff, and we sat in the living room and watched wrestling. So, and it was it was great. Great days back then. Avoiding. There's that whole, like, who's coming next 
is, is yeah. the whole aspect of that rumble. Uh, uh, it, it was just it was just so much fun. It really, 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 really was. It was spectacular for sure. Um, let's see what else do we want to cover here? Okay, commentators. Of course, we have Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura behind the mat, uh, behind the mic. Thank God we have Sean, Gene Orkelin and Sean Mooney. They're interviewing people around the building. Howard Finkel is the announcer. Earl Hebner, Joe Morella are some of the officials. Jay Strongbow is one of the officials as well this night. I, I assume they mean like a guy who came down to the ring, like a, a gray suit or something. I oh, yeah, during the, the pose down. Yep. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll, yeah. We'll see some of them. So we'll get to that. So, yeah, uh, 19,000 people completely sold out in Houston. Very great crowd. The tagline, no partners, 30 opponents, um, which is a pretty, pretty good tagline there. All right, the preliminary matches. Let's start it's first. It's funny coming, coming right off the Survivor Series, which was about partners. Right. You know, good so juxtaposition yeah. there. Yeah. Bad news didn't have to worry about walking off on his team. No, it was a typical Saturday night for him. Two dark matches. Jimmy Powers defeats Barry Horowitz. And Sam- what a matchup that must have been. Oh, that's a barn burner. Main event in any arena in the world, Jess. Maybe not as good as this match, though. Sam Houston defeated Steve Lombardi. And it's a shame because the Sam Houston Coliseum uh, would have been just right down the road in Houston. He could have had a match in his own arena. Unbelievable. Uh, the first televised match, two or three falls match between Jim Duggan and the Hart Foundation versus Dino Bravo and the fabulous Rujos, Jock, and Ramon. I don't know that before this, I had ever, I remember just my mind kind of being blown by the idea that they're doing two out of three for a best, for a six man tag. You know, that just, international rules. Yeah, that, that seemed odd to me they're doing it that way, uh, but they did. What are your thoughts on this match? I enjoyed it very much. You're mashing two feuds together. You know, the Hearts and the Rujos were out on the road together. And Hacksaw and Dino, which was, Hacksaw was like second or third babyface in the company. Well, yeah, I guess still third maybe at this time, babyface in the company. And they threw him with Dino and it didn't really, the feud never really, didn't really do too much. But they uh, threw they threw these two feuds together and kept these guys out of the rumble. I was pleasantly surprised with this match. I haven't seen it in a while usually with these old rumbles i just fast forward to the rumble uh you know during the rewatches but uh it's funny in these two out of three fall matches how like breck get pinned clean and if it, if it was a regular match that would never happen you know what i mean like boom he takes the rujo's finisher boom and he, and, and, and he's pinned one two three clean and, you know if it was a regular match that, that that would never happen in a million years but uh, i I, f- I find that hinky in the words of uh uh, the fugitive and Tim Mangione, but um, yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed the match very much. Uh, the baby faces went over, which they should have, obviously. Uh, with you know, you got Brett and Duggan on the same team. I mean, come on, and the Anvil. Imagine running into the Anvil and Duggan in a dark alley somewhere. <laughs> and they really yeah, set it I, up good. The underdog, you know, they lose the first fall. Jesse's like, oh, gorilla, you know, ah, uh, you lose that first fall. But of course, it was uh, the referee getting distracted. Duggan takes advantage and he hits Bravo with the two by four and then Hart pins Bravo to get the third fall and the victory. Good stuff. I enjoyed this. Yeah. Uh, it, it's fun yeah, watching. It, uh, I love seeing Brett Brett in there, like that build of Brett. I mean, I know he's become kind of one of the guys that don't see the business how, how I do these days. But, uh, man, I was there with him from the beginning and just 
boom, 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 up and up and up and up. And then when he finally won the title, I was so happy and everything. It's a shame that the company started changing at that time. But uh, big Brett fan, always will be, even though we, we see the business in different aspects in a lot of ways. But, uh, yeah, just Brett's in there. I'm a big Hacksaw fan, too, so good stuff. The second match was for the WWF Women's Championship. It had the defending champion Rock and Robin uh, versus uh, defending champion Rock and Robin and Judy, Judy Martin. Before the match, former champion Sensational Sherry was in the ring and challenged the winner to a match that I think was supposed to be at WrestleMania Five, but didn't end up happening. Um, right? Yeah, they had uh, Rock and Robin sing sing the national anthem uh, <laughs> or the American. Yeah, mixed, res- mixed for- results there. Spacious skies for amber ways of grain. But, um, yeah, they scratched that. Then they, they did a thing with Sherry and um, and uh, joining Macho Man right after WrestleMania 5. Maybe Run DMC needed some more time, so they had to scratch that match there. Uh, according to Gorilla Monsoon, that left a lot to be desired, though. Did. Uh, sensational Sherry then joins uh, Gorilla and Jesse in the booth. Uh, Robin and Martin, a lot of near falls, but in the end, Robin hit Martin with a diving cross body. Pinned her for the match to retain the title. I'm going to be honest, Dave. Not for me. <laughs> this is not yeah, not a now, match I need to watch again anytime soon. Yeah, I watched that. I didn't fast forward it or anything, you know, but um, this is the last ladies match on a WWF pay-per-view, not counting... The Sapphire stuff with Sherry, that doesn't count. Sapphire right. wasn't a wrestler. Let's match, not yeah. count that. Uh, you know, WrestleMania 6, whatever. And then SummerSlam didn't even happen. When was the next, I guess, not until Medusa came in, right? Or Luna? Did they have it? I don't even think Luna ever had a, a uh, WrestleMania 10, I guess, was the next time that I uh, had a ladies match on pay-per-view. Uh, Luna, uh, Luna, well, Luna was in a mixed tag. Can't count that. But uh, Medusa has a under blaze against uh, Lani Kai at WrestleMania 10, which I attended, I think, off the top of my head. So this is kind of historic. This is the last ladies match for, for quite some time on a on a pay-per-view or a, a big event in general. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm just not a big fan of women's combat sports, and there's just not a lot here for me. I mean, I can get into some of the stuff around WrestleMania 1 with um... Cindy Lauper and and uh, th- I guess, but it's just not for me. Right, because that had that heat. So yeah, heat. there's some different this, this about that. Had no, this match had no heat. There was no heat at all. Yeah, Ro- I mean, Rock and Robin, nothing against. She's a very nice lady. I'm friends with her on Facebook, but I mean, uh, you know, uh, it just it just it just wasn't there. No, it stinks. Yeah, you know? yeah. All right, next was a pose down between the Ultimate Warrior and Rick Rude. The winner was decided by fan reaction, which in retrospect, I think they should have like a few judges out there or something. I don't know. But in this era, I mean. Yeah, I, I, I thought I thought um, the interactions with having Gene and Bobby both out there, there was really nothing funny going on between the two of them. You'd think they would have been bouncing off each other and I like, like a rubber ball. I like the concept, and it's fun but it's too long you know it just goes on too long it does I, I think they had a good idea here and i think they could have pulled it off and they had the right people like you said maybe involved but the chemistry didn't really get going with gene and bobby much and yeah i can't believe that it took I too long double biceps best abs most muscular and medley of poses 
Warrior won in every pose down, uh, but it ends with Rude attacking the Warrior with his own metal workout bar, which Warrior essentially no-sells, and they chase to the well, back. They- yeah, well, he no sell the uh, the oil to the eyes. Yeah, too, that from, did, he didn't even brain. blink on that. I mean, yeah. uh, Warrior obviously is better. You know, he looks more like a rude. Look, kind of looks like a woman. Well, he kicked the shit out of me. But this was the good part. Warrior too, but the the, yeah. the the part that did work is Jesse in the booth just gushing over him and the Jesse the Body yeah. Award and all that. So, right. So that part well, I mean, works. But he does. I, I take that back. He doesn't look like a woman, but you know, compared to the Ultimate Warrior, I mean. Yeah, he they definitely have different body to, types, yeah. right? I mean, they definitely, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't think Rude has quite the ab section that, um, or you the warrior, warrior doesn't have quite the ab section, maybe that no, Rude no. has. But he won best abs anyway because he's the R- face. Rude would be more for the definitely a ladies man, more for what a lady would like. You know what I mean? Sure. But uh, if if you're going on who's gonna kick your ass, you know, looks wise, I don't know. Whatever. I don't. I don't know nothing about bodybuilding. <laughs> Me neither. Went too long. I look, I, I look like Vince Neil. <laughs> Just went too long. That's my final thought on mm. it. All right. The third match was between King Haku and Harley Race. Oh, we're setting up. I'm sorry, Clark, but it's, you know, it's a big setup for uh, the first time we ever had Rude and Warrior in the ring together. And it's a big setup for the Intercontinental match at WrestleMania 5. So it's the setup and angle. And which I but, do love. Um, That's a great match. Yeah. Well, so. I just wish that uh, Gene and Bobby had some humor. Back and bouncing back and forth. I was wait. I was waiting for that. I haven't seen it in a while. I'm like, oh, they're not really. They're not really doing much of that. So, whatever. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, the winner winner of this match, like I said, Haku versus Race, will win the King of Wrestling crown, which was held by Haku. Um, Haku no no sells a couple headbutts here early. Uh, Race hits Haku with a pile driver for a near fall. Um, Race hits a swinging net breaker for another. Fall, uh, but in the end, race misses a diving headbutt. Uh, both men got up, and race ran through the ropes. But Haku hit him with a thrust kick to win the match. Love that! One of my favorite finishing moves ever. It makes Shawn Michaels look like Shawn Michaels super kick look like the kids up on Carney Avenue uh, when you walk by uh, in the windows practicing their uh, karate or whatever they do. Uh, Haku has the, the the real super kick thrust kick, and uh, nearly took Harley's head off there. I always thought, though, this was a strange run by Harley Race between Survivor Series 88 when he returned and to this, to Royal Rumble 89, those couple months. Was he a babyface? Was he a heel? I know he wrestled Danny Davis at the Spectrum and like went after Bobby was doing commentary with um, Dick Graham at ringside at the Spectrum and, and Race uh, you know, was over there going after Bobby So he, and he was fighting dangerous Danny Davis, so obviously it was a babyface. But then it's I mean, at Survivor Series, he was on Andre's team. He was on the heel team. So it kind of, it, it, even back at the time, it kind of really didn't, didn't make too much sense to me. And I don't, I don't, uh, opposed to the Smarks, I don't like too many clean finishes. And it was really weird, even as much as I love Haku, it was really weird seeing Harley take this clean finish to get his head knocked off like this. But um, that was it for Harley and WWF. Yeah. After this one, he got... I think him and Haku have a history together before the WWF, so he's probably trying to give him Haku a little bit of uh, a rub here. The t- uh, in, in in that sense, the time on that one was nine oh one six twenty four for the women, and fifteen forty two for the best of three earlier. Uh, this match was not on the Coliseum Home Video version. No of, shit, of I didn't know that. Yeah, edited out, but obviously it does appear in the future 
anthologies and things like that. I can't believe they didn't edit out the women's match instead of this one, but. I wonder why. Maybe Harley was back in NWA by nah, the time. just for the, time. Uh, Remember those uh, those early pay per views on Cosimo Video? Ridiculous. I, I never, I never rented those because besides like WrestleMania one and the Wrestling Classic, because then I started and two because I started getting them pay per view and taping them, so I I never had the need to see them. Yeah, you, you didn't. Uh, they're they're so aggressively edited, I guess, to you know to be yeah SP or. Or whatever the they needed the length to be. All right, on to the main event. But before we do, Dave, I want to back up a little bit. Earlier in the pay-per-view, um, after the opening match, they took us to the lottery room. And we got some quick hits with people picking their numbers. And they cut a little angle back there as DiBiase picks his number. And then he goes over to, D- to Slick. And it looks like they make a deal. Uh, then later... After the women's match, isn't it great how he goes? Oh no, that Ted DiBiase! I thought you meant somebody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what happens here. Oh god! Yeah, yeah, after the women's match, now Mooney's with the Twin Towers and Slick, and Slick talks about right, the great right, chance. I'm sorry, I jumped the gun. Yeah, his men have as Akeem dances. Mooney asks what down with DiBiase earlier, but Slick says he didn't even see DiBiase. And then Mooney, of course, has the video, and Slick backtracks, like Dave said. Talks his way through and says, basically, listen, it's none of your business, Mooney, uh, which is really funny. Good, good work, good work here by. Uh, he said he used to be. He thought he was a Ted DiBiase who used to shine his shoes. <laughs> <laughs> really good work by everyone involved in the in that big backstep stuff. After the last match, we get some Rumble promos from Brutus Beefcake, Greg Valentine, Fuji, the Powers of Pain, Big John Stud, Perfect, and Savage. Uh, then Gorilla and Jesse warm us up. Talk us a little bit about the rules. Uh, Gene is backstage with DiBiase and Virgil. Ted is all smiles and says with his wealth, you're only as lucky as you want to be. Gene asks if there's a deal with Slick. And Ted says it's all about the luck of the draw. Uh, Moonen is with Heenan, Andre, and the Busters. And the family is ready for anything tonight. Tully is honored to be here and he thinks Andre will be the winner. Arn says it's 30 men, 30 numbers, and that's it. Andre says he will be the last one and has never lost so far. And even the Busters will go out if they get in front of him. Uh, I mean, Gene's with the Hulkster, who's worried about a lot of things, including the big boss man. He does his usual Hogan rant and predicts victory tonight. If it comes down to him and Savage, Macho will find out that Hulk has never been beaten and is still called champ by his maniac. I love it. I love it. Uh, Fink runs down the rules and then number one, and we hear the great entrance music of demolition and number one is X and we get ready. We digest that and the music blares again. It's demolitions music again. And number two is smash really just a good idea. What a holy shit moment. Nobody was expecting that. Yeah, Nobody. It, it, I, I remember watching that. But I, oh my God. It was just, it was like, and people still talk about it. Remember the Royal Rumble where Axe Smash were number one and two? So cool. So what, probably one of the coolest moments in wrestling history. I yeah. Think, right there. And and I think it really helped sell the idea of every man for itself. And, you know, the bell rings and they, they just start kicking it, each other's you ass. Know they, <laughs> they tried to do it again in 94 with the Steiners and they wouldn't do it. Being marks for themselves. Nah, Come on. That's too bad. Just do it. Yeah. It would have been cool, you know. People who might have forgot about this one and didn't see it by that time. They could have, you know, because everything in wrestling gets redone. But they wanted to do it. And they, they refused to do it. Come on. 
Uh, Axe lasted 14 minutes, 37 seconds, smash 454. Andre is third. He eliminates three people in his 14 and that's like, You know, Steve, yep. what's crazy is like, okay, demolition goes at it. I mean, they could have just stayed, sat in the corner for two minutes and waited for number three and just eliminated everybody together and and they would have trouble with Hogan got in there, but uh, threw everybody out together and fought each other at the end. But the one other guy besides Hogan they can't do that to comes out at number three. It's Andre. Yep. So set up so perfectly. Because, like, if, you, know, you know, not against him, but, you know, Ronnie Garvin or Greg Valentine came out, number three, Axe Smash would have got rid of him, you know, and they would have got rid of the next guy and the next guy. But not with Andre. Good you know, point. so that's that's done so perfectly. And the only one who can eliminate Andre is Andre, which he does himself, famously when Damien is thrown into or the Hulk. ring. Yeah. Yep, and he he's out. Uh, number four is Mr. Perfect. He goes 27-58. It's the most this night. He eliminates one person. Uh, Ronnie Garvin does 239, no eliminations. Uh, Greg Valentine is number six. He goes for 1952, no eliminations. Uh, Jake Roberts goes in there for two minutes and eight seconds, no eliminations, unless you count Andre. Yeah, he really was. Yeah, uh, in there, in and out quick for yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, such yeah. a big star. Ron Bass is for the for the guy that was more popular than Hulk Hogan. Apparently, he was in and out quick. <laughs> Ron Bass, he's eight. Uh, he does twelve minutes thirty six seconds, eliminates no one. Shawn Michaels is nine fourteen thirty one elimination. Uh, Bushwhacker Butch, 18-13, one elimination. Hung in there. Yep. Kind of worked heel, too, a little bit. They were brand new. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if they had a – they might have one TV match. Simon, just vignettes. Bushwhackers are brand new here. Uh, let's see. Honky Talk Man is 11. Uh, he's in there for 4-12, no eliminations. Tito Santana's 12, uh, one elimination in 12-47. Bad News Brown. He's number 13. He does 16 minutes, one elimination, eliminated by Hulk. Uh, Marty Gennetti is number 14. He does seven minutes and 52 seconds, one elimination. Uh, Randy Savage is number 15. Uh, he does 12, 26, eliminates three. Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard are 16 and 17. They do 10 minutes and 8.02 themselves. And this is the fan, you know, the all three of these guys are eliminated by Hulk. Yeah, uh, which we'll talk, Jeez. we'll talk okay. about, we'll talk about more in a second. Yeah, uh, Hulk is number eighteen. He's in for eleven minutes and thirty-one seconds, and he eliminates ten people. Um, that is just about an elimination a minute, which is nuts. Uh, we'll go through them all, and then we'll go back and we'll talk about the Hogan and Macho angle and all that. Um, gotcha. Bushwhacker Luke, 308, zero eliminations. And I remember there was some heat about Butch worked this long, Luke worked this long, they got the same money. Um, Coco Beware, number 20, 108, and he's out. Warlord uh, is 21. He does two seconds. Big Boss Man <laughs> is 418. Uh, he does one elimination. All of those guys, Luke, Ware, Warlord, Bossman, all eliminated by Hogan. Uh, number 23 is Akeem. He does 18 minutes and 36 seconds, which is pretty impressive for a guy that big. He eliminates two. 
Really, uh, it is, yeah. Yeah, Brutus Beefcake, he's number 24, and he lasts 13 minutes in there, no eliminations. Red Rooster is number 25, 11 minutes and 17 seconds, no eliminations. Uh, the Barbarian, he's number 26. He goes 12 minutes and 15 seconds. He eliminated two people. Uh, Big John Stud, number 27, he's the eventual winner. He does 12 minutes and 21 seconds. Two eliminations. Hercules is number 28. 6'11. eleven, no eliminations. Rick Martel, 29. He does 529, one elimination. And Ted DiBiase, he gets the perfect number, of course. Uh, and he did 627 with three eliminations. Jake Roberts had already been eliminated when he returned. This is a, like a side note um, to kind of explain the Andre a little bit better. Roberts is eliminated. He returns to the locker room with his bag. He removes Damien from the bag, puts it in the ring, and Andre eliminates himself to escape from the snake because Andre's allergic to snakes. All right, anything about uh, anything yeah. about those guys, but we'll come back to Hulk and, and Savage, and we'll come back to the winner. Anything about that other stuff, the stats I gave, any of the elimination numbers surprise you, any of the time surprise you, anything pop you on all the stuff we just talked about? Well, I already spoke on the Axe and Smash. I just think that's... Yeah, brilliant. Bring that up to this day. Brilliant. I mean, so, so well done, whoever thought of that. And having Andre's three, because if there's anybody else besides Hulk, you know, they would have just demolished them, as in their name. You know, to just keep throwing them out and throwing them out. But Hulk and Andre, the only or Stud, I guess. Hulk, Andre, and Stud are the only three that they wouldn't be able to do that to. to maybe Akeem. But, um... Yeah, just so well done. But uh, it's funny that the Andre eliminating himself counted. Then uh, Savage did the same thing in 92, and they let him go back in. So a um, little discrepancy uh, there on that part. But what a, what, 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 a, what a great Royal Rumble. This one just really goes by the luck of the draw. And, uh, you know, our guy, this is, this yeah, is let's he didn't win this one. Yeah. Let's get into it a little he, bit. Go ahead. He just, he is a kick-ass baby face. That, that's why I like him. If he was goody two-shoes like Bob Backlund was, I wouldn't have liked him. He hits guys with chairs. He cheats. He scratches. He punches. It's a prelude to Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's what people don't understand. There's a, a lot of Stone Cold came from Hogan. Hogan, he fought fire with fire. If somebody did something to him earlier, he'd do something back. Somebody always did something to him first. But the marks seem to they ignore that that part. So he comes into the ring, and Savage is about to be eliminated, and he saves him. The first thing he does when he goes in the ring is save Savage. Then when he dumps him, eh, maybe he did it on purpose, maybe not. But he did save him and keep him in there longer. you know. And the double clothesline on the Brain Busters might be my top five moments in professional wrestling history. Because I do happen to like Arn and Tully. I like them because I like them, not because I'm told I have to like them. The wrestling community is told they have to like them, and that kind of thing bothers me. What if somebody just doesn't like them? Why? Why do you have to like them? Like I, I don't, I don't understand that. But him doing the double clothesline and just running them out, does running. It's it's just like WWF throwing NWA over out. Just get out of here. Well, you know, I I loved it. I want to thank. I'm going to jump in. I want to thank Justin and Scott over at Place to Be Nation for some of these notes. I want to, Dave, I want to give you a little bit more, kind of the more specifics with Hogan, some of the stuff you mentioned and stuff you have. And he runs out at 18, 
to a huge pop and he starts cleaning house and the place is rocking. He saves the Macho Man, dumps Mr. Perfect. Tito is tossed during the ruckus and bad news gets Hogan on the brink. Slavage glances over but stays with Butch instead, which Gorilla calls out. Luke whacks out at 19. And there you go. Yep. And tangles with the busters. Uh, Brown shoves Butch out and then puts the boots to Savage. Hogan presses Tully and drop kicks him first across the top rope to a real ugly looking spot. Again, the opinions here of Justin. Uh, Coco runs down at number 20 and the crowd is on fire. Iron goes up to the top, but Hogan catches him and slams him down. Luke goes after Hogan and then Coco jumps in as well. Hogan easily dumps Coco and then chucks Luke too. Bad news is really putting a beating on Savage as the Busters double up on Hogan. Warlord comes out at 21 as Hulk eliminates both Busters with a double clothesline. Warlord's posing on the apron and gets in, but Hogan charges and clotheslines him right out. Great spot. Uh, bad, bad news and Savage are tangling on the ropes, and Hogan comes over and tosses them both. Slavage. And Warlord won't. Sorry, Warlord won't cry about that or anything. You know what I mean? He's not that type of guy. He gets it. Sure. Savage and two seconds of work probably it's good payday. Uh, Savage slides yeah. in and he's livid. Um, okay, so let me, let me say that part again without the interruption there. Bad News and Sorry. Savage are tangling <laughs> on the rope. Kind of a big moment. We don't want to, to miss it there. Bad News and Savage are tangling on the ropes and Hogan comes over and tosses them both. Slide it, Savage slides in and he's livid as he and Hogan start arguing in the ring. Liz then runs out to to get in the middle of it, which pisses Jesse off. Savage finally offers a handshake and we get one plus a hug, but clearly they set a little something up there, right? Savage and Liz leaves as boss man shows up at 22 with slick. Hogan is all over to boss man immediately and batters him all around the ring, including a big slam to a huge pop. The crowd is batshit right now. Bossman squishes Hulk in the corner and stuffs him with a pile driver and then goes to work. Hogan dodges a splash as Akeem is 23. And Jesse pieces together that DiBiase made this happen. Hogan does what he can to fend off the tower, slamming Akeem, but the numbers eventually get him. The towers double splash him and then chuck him out with ease. Uh, Hogan yanks out Bossman and the three brawl on the floor, which again pisses off Jesse. Hogan is, or Beefcake is at 24 and comes to help Hulk. And we get more wild brawling. Hogan gets forced away as the towers battle Beefer. Hogan then reaches up, pulls Bossman out over the top. Jesse is really ripping, and Gorilla just hand waves it. Hogan and Bossman battle to the back. So that is Hulk. That's the uh, the last few minutes of Hulk's Rumble. Great, great booking here. Great execution. Really great stuff. Dave, what do you got on all that? That's the first time we saw Hogan and Brudai unite, and the main event coming up where Savage turns on Hogan, Brudai, you know, he comes in the back and, and tries to settle things yeah, down really there. Yeah, really smart. And, kind you know, of subtly the, sets yeah, up so, the subtly, Then yep. finally SummerSlam comes up. Uh, oh God, I just love it. I love Hogan because he's a kick-ass babyface. He cheats, he eye gouges, he back rates, he hits people with chairs. That's why I like him. And it was just building, building for the Stone Cold character down the line. You know what I mean? And we, we took a little... A couple of breaks in there, I guess, with Brett as champion, but uh, you know he would he would do some some uh, derogatory things at times as as well to uh, to fight fire with fires, fighting fire with fire, man. 
And uh, the second, like I said, the second Hulk got in there, he saved his partner, his mega power brother, the Macho Man, or Macho Man would have been tossed. You know, if we're looking at this through kayfabe lens. And um, you know, when he threw out bad news, Macho went with him. Hey, every man for himself. I know in the 92 Rumble, we're going to have uh, that discussion uh, the opposite way. But, I mean, when you're, if we're looking at this as through kayfabe eyes, is real, of course you're going to want to go back in there. Of course you're going to be And there's, off. I mean, there's a little bit of what, a, what would Stone Cold do? But it's okay when he does it, right? And there's a possibility. I, I, don't, I don't get what the I difference is. Hulk would say he wasn't really trying to throw Savage out here, right? I mean. He could have whispered, hold on a rope. Yeah, brother. he's trying to help Savage. And Savage yeah. goes out by mistake. That that's I'm sure yep. what Hulk was saying in the argument. Yeah, people are just jealous of Hulk. It's, it's, it's all it is, and, and you're watching it through through eyes where you're watching a Stone Cold match or, or this one or that one through through different eyes, and we're really he's just kicking ass and, and being a kick ass wrestler. And uh, this is this is my favorite. Even though he didn't win this Rumble, he wins ninety and ninety one. I think this is his best performance. I love him running out. He didn't just double clothesline Arn and Tully out. He ran with them and pushed them over the ropes. Phenomenal. Good stuff. Phenomenal. You know, you know, imagine the neck beards watching this now that never saw it before and seeing that spot. Imagine they probably turned it off <laughs> right there. They probably don't even go any further. Well, hopefully you, you didn't turn Anderson. it off. Hopefully, no. Hopefully no, you no, didn't no. turn it off when Hulk went out because at the end we got Big John Studd, Ted DiBiase, and Akeem. Uh, Ted and Akeem double up for a bit until Akeem accidentally squashes Ted and John then dumps him. Ted begs off and tries to pay Stud. Stud ignores him. DiBiase tries, but Stud mauls him and chucks him um, for the elimination and the upset win. I would say it's an upset. Uh, Stud beats well, I mean, Virgil. Yeah I... yeah, I mean, nobody had Stud on their list before the match as a the guy they thought was going to win. Well, I mean, if you, if you had to pick Seven, maybe. I mean, you got Hogan, Savage. Yeah, it was Andre. an upset. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm insisting on that. It was an upset. He, it's an upset win. He was outside yeah. of the top three or four or five favorites. So. With, with the champ, Savage in there, and Hogan and Andre, it's an upset. Yeah. yeah, and he wins. What are your thoughts? It's a controversial thing in retrospect. He doesn't even have a match a few months later in WrestleMania Five. We talked about why. But what do you, what do you think about this in retrospect as far as stud winning? Uh, I'm very good with it. I think he's one of the most famous names in wrestling history, probably top 20. The name Big John Stud, you know, is one of the most famous professional wrestlers of all time. He's been in the movies, Harley Davidson, the Marble Man, Mickey and Maud, among other things, some 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 Disney stuff he's done. Um, you know, just the feud alone with Andre and stuff with Hogan. Sure, why not? They were, and they were setting up to go on the road after WrestleMania with the roles reverse as Andre as a heel and Stud as the babyface. But for some reason, Stud just didn't really get over as the babyface. But I think they thought he was gonna. So hence this win here. Um, maybe they should have done the Hogan Savage stuff a little a little later so the crowd didn't die as much or have on then it would screw up the demolition Andre thing that I love and Andre come in later and I've stud eliminate him at the end instead of instead of D, what, DiBiase no no I, I think it's perfect I, I, I have no problem with it at all 
I think it's very well done. Why, why, why shouldn't Big John Stud win the Royal Rumble? He's Big John Stud. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I'm all for it. Um, and yeah. I, I think, you know, Hacksaw wins the first one. You know, Big John Studs wins the second one. By the time you get to the third one, I really felt like anyone could win it, you know? And, yeah. uh, and uh, wild things happen. Wait, the Shawn Michaels won two in a row. And Big John Stud can't? <laughs> Come on. Sure. I could throw him out over the top rope. He's got you know intestinal fortitude, brother. He's got a lot of intestinal yeah. fortitude. Yeah. Imagine if Stud got his hands around Shawn Michaels' neck. I mean, come on. Fair enough. There's not really anything to grade here. Um, I mean, it's a great, it's a great rumble. It's one of my favorites, Dave. You said it's one of your favorites. Um, really well right. done. It's a pe- pay per view we both recommend. It's an easy watch. You know, the prelim <laughs> stuff is quick, and then you get once. It's a, the the rumble time was one minute. One hour and one minute and some change. So you get a solid hour to just sit back and watch the Rumble. And it's really fun. A lot of great action. Thanks to Justin and Scott for some of those notes. Makes things a lot easier for me when putting these shows together to be able to call on them and to be able to have that. So I appreciate that. Thanks to those boys. Thanks, guys. All right. Anything else or should we take a break and get Paul in here and do emails and things like that? Uh, no, just 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 to stay. I, I remember it vividly. January 15th, 89, my cousin Kelly's first birthday. Pizza fire, Hogan kicking ass. You know, I didn't care that he didn't he didn't win the Royal Rumble. The only Royal Rumble I cared that he didn't win was '92. You know, so I, it didn't matter to me really here because I think I saw the direction it was going in. With he's going to get his belt back from from the the, the great Macho Man Randy Savage, and um, now just just perfect WWF, just perfect stuff right here, man. The Haku stuff I like. Big Haku fan, dug in, dug in the hearts at the beginning. Great pay-per-view, man. Yeah, if you love High this era, if you love this era, yeah. you love this, right? I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Jesse and Gorilla. Yeah. The only, yeah. only, only complaint is that Gene and Bobby that weren't cracking jokes during, yeah. at each other during that. That whole segment. That, that boggles my mind. Usually, usually, like, something I didn't pick up on as a kid, I would pick up on now. Like, what Gene does at All-American Wrestling and make the phone calls and or stuff Gorilla Bobby would say in prime time. Even stuff on the Three Stooges I pick up on now that I didn't pick up on as a kid. Yeah, the jokes that were I just figured, over our head at the time. Yeah, yeah, I figured there'd be some of that, and, there, and during Super on it really wasn't. But this really was where they were making the Warrior, and you could tell that that there were big things ahead for uh, for the Warrior there uh, after that. But, uh, yeah, man, great pay-per-view. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back with Paula Bennett. And some emails from you and what we're going to do next time on the 24-inch podcast. I am a real American. Fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American. Fight for what's right. Fight for your Hey now, welcome back to 24 Inch Podcast 1 
segment left, and there she is, joining us for the first time tonight, the beautiful, the star of the show, really, the beautiful and talented Paula Bennett. How's it going, Paula? Good. Yeah, what's up with you tonight? Nothing. So, so I have a story, Dave. So Paula is currently taking religious studies classes. Uh, she, oh, very good. Yeah, she's going to earn her, her right to make her first communion here in a couple years. And um, she's learning all she can about Jeebus. And she went. Jesus! Jesus. And she went. Jesus or Jeebus? Jeebus! I thought it was Jeebus. 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 Never know. Okay, it's Jesus, I guess. Well, we picked her up from class today, and she told us what? What'd you tell mom when she picked you up? Take your thumb out of your mouth. You're doing a podcast. And tell us, tell us what. Okay. She said there's a Karen in her class. Uh-oh. Yeah. You make them that young? I guess so. T- tell us what a Karen is, Paula. They're sassy. Sassy people? I heard that they got the name. I heard they got the name from Karen too much about other people's business. Uh, what about that? Yeah, I don't believe that. That's good, though. I like that. <laughs> yeah. I think they're just making fun of white people. Um. The, Probably, uh, but not white people are using it too. I'm sure there's some black uh, Karens out there. Yeah, I don't see many videos f- that way, but maybe. Um, there is a uh, – Paula's at a substitute for a while in school now as well, and um, her teacher's on a leave don't of absence. Do, don't say that one. Don't say that one. What? I don't, don't say about the incident today. Well, there's an incident at school, but I guess Paul won't let us talk about it because she's Fine. boring today. Fine. We'll leave Fine. that for off air. Fine, I'll say it. Okay, well, was there some of these substitutes? She she thinks they're bitches, and oh wow, the one today was a bitch. And and why was she a bitch today, Paula? Tell us. Because I was getting a crayon, and she and uh she said, "Go sit at the table." She said, "Go sit." Oh. See. Can you imagine, Dave? I could not imagine that. What a heel. The bitch, yeah. the bitch is back, as Elton John said. What an unbelievable heel. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode and all episodes of the 24-inch podcast, the season three premiere. If you want to hear any of the episodes from season two or season one, you can find them on our SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com slash sports casters. You can also follow us on social media at 24inchpodcast on Twitter. Uh, we're also on Instagram and Facebook. Search for us there. And you can email us, 24inchpodcast at gmail.com. For yeah. more information about this podcast and my others, you can follow me on Twitter at sports underscore casters. All right, Dave, with those plugs established, uh, why don't we do it a little bit out of order this time? Why don't you quickly uh, let the listeners know what we will be doing next episode? All right, brother, next episode, we're going to take it to our one of our favorite shows, our favorite syndicated show, and mostly everybody's favorite, Cindy, the superstars of wrestling. We're going to travel into March of 1990 to have a rare Hulk Hogan match on the superstars, as in a non-title match, he takes on Canada's strongest man, Dino Bravo, as a big prelude to the ultimate challenge at WrestleMania Six, and we'll... Dig deep into that, into maybe a little talk of the Hogan and the Warrior, their promos, and different things leading up to WrestleMania 6. Which is officially on the radar for one of our March episodes. Yeah, you know we're going to do it. The man himself yeah, I was, was there. in the house. 
we, we always say we're going to do a mania or two or something like that around that time. What mania we do last? Do we we didn't do a well we didn't do a mania last year because I was sick. But um, the year before I think we we've covered eighteen right or 18. 18. 18. We've covered two. And uh, did we do seven? I don't believe so. No. Seven. No. No. I think I think it, eighteen and eight last year. Eighteen and eight. Did that's right. Did we do eight? Hogan Sid. I believe so. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. All right, so that's the plan. I love doing those Cindy's. I love doing the smaller shows like that. That's something a lot of people haven't done. You know, like today we covered Royal Rumble 89. There's millions of those. But I feel like a lot those smaller card ones that Hulk does haven't been covered as much. Yes, Paula? Uh, I, do have a, I do have an announcement. Oh, Paula's got an announcement. What do we got? Uh. She's got no no front teeth anymore, Dave. She just looks like a mouth. And just miss Christmas. All you want for Christmas could have been your two front teeth. All right. But then she wouldn't have got a switch. She would have just got (laughs) teeth. I wanted a switch. (laughs) And I'm playing the game on this switch right now. And I think my mom abandoned it instead of putting it on a charger. All right. One last thing to do tonight, and that's read emails. I'll get it started. We have an email from our friend Lucas Calhoun. Uh, The subject is Hulk Hulk for Life. Love that. He says, hello, gentlemen. Lucas Calhoun, the fourth cousin of Haystacks. How you doing, brother? Hope life as well. Just one question for you guys. Who are each of your favorite under-the-radar Hulk opponents, meaning someone he never faced on a pay-per-view? Keep up the good work, and Hulkamania will never die from Lucas. Well, I mean, for me, that, that's going to be an easy one. Um... That's got to be Paul Orndorff. Mr. I to account WrestleMania one. Are going as a pay per view and tag? Uh, no, that's a good. I mean, in a singles match, he hadn't wrestled them. So yeah, that's, yeah. It, big event was not a pay per view, no, no matter what. Mm-hmm. What might try to say? Um, yeah. So that because that that was his top three biggest feuds ever, and that was never a one on one contest in a uh, a pay per view. Yeah, and I guess I'll so, I'll, uh, make, I'll make a similar answer um, using this similar out. I guess, and that, and and I'm not counting WCW pay per views because I, I think they may have fought there, but I would say Piper in the '80s. You know, um, uh, they actually did. Yeah, the Wrestling Classic was a pay per view. Yeah, okay, you're gonna count that as a pay per view. I mean, it's, it really it was it was only on pay per view. It wasn't even close circuit. Yeah, horrible match though, and horrible build. Mm. Yeah, it was more like a house show match. Really What's up, honey? I don't know really. Okay, you don't have to answer it. Okay. Um, all right, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll switch it then. I'll say, uh, yes, Paula. Can I just say who I wish he would wrestle? Yes. I wish he would wrestle um, The Undertaker. Okay, yeah, that would be good. Uh, all right, I'll say Kamala then. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's it. He, was, good one he that. was rumored as one of the guys that they were kind of holding in case Andre couldn't go, right? Orndorff. Both our pit, both yeah. our picks, Orndorff and Kamala. Yeah. yeah so yeah, we're, we're thinking alike there. Yeah. So maybe they could and, have done uh, something good with them. Both tremendous draws together. Uh, both tremendous house show draws. Hogan Kamala, Hogan Orndorff. They're pretty much going on sim- simultaneously at one point uh, as well. Yeah. Very, very good. All right. Thank you, uh, Lucas, for that. We appreciate it. All right, Paul. You want to do one of yours? Mm-hmm. You want me to read it? Mm-hmm. All right. This is from our my cousin. Her cousin and my nephew Gregory. Which wrestler do you think would be the nicest in real life? Oh, 
Okay. Dave, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go with Haku because he is the nicest in real life to me. Yeah, as long so as far. he's not kicking your ass, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Haku is a, a tremendous individual, such a nice guy, warming. Just He feels like a friend. He act, People always say, like, when you meet, like, when I meet these rock stars, Motley Crue or Hulk Hogan or Ric Flair, or whatever, oh, I bet they remember you, people say. I, they don't remember me. You know how many people they meet? But Haku does remember me. As well as Tito Santana. We'll throw him a bone, too. All right, I'm going to say Jimmy Hart. Um, he just right. seems like a really friendly guy. Um, seems really nice. I know he's always selling. He's always working. So maybe it's tough to get the real guy. But he kind of showed us a side of him in that reality show they did on the network. You know, and I, I know he's been through, he's been through some struggles. And, and I just feel like he's a really warm individual. And I've never really heard anyone say a bad thing about him. So I'll go with him. Paul, what do you think? Yeah. Uh, you can say anyone you want. Yeah, but I can't think of his name. We just watched him yesterday, and I forgot his name already. Oh, yeah? What did we watch him on? Um, Remember the A-Team? You think someone from the A-Team is... Oh, Mr. T? Oh, yes, Mr. T. You think Mr. T is the nicest in your life? Uh-huh. Okay. All right. I could believe that. I'm not sure, but I could believe that, maybe. Well, why not? All right, Mr. T. All right, Dave, you got one from one of the regulars. The mighty one, the mighty Chester D. Zickowitz, is on the line this week. Chet. And he wants, yeah, Chet. He wants to know if Stud would not have won. Who should have won? He thinks DiBiase. Opinion question. Uh, I guess I'll go first. Uh, I'm going to go with the big guy, the eighth wonder, Andre the Giant. I think would have been nice to have a nod there at um, at the uh, Royal uh, have a Royal Rumble victory, which he has never has had has had one. Uh, maybe he could they could have screwed Stud out of there with DiBiase getting thirty. Then Jake comes down with the snake, and somehow DiBiase gets eliminated. Some some chicanery there to set up the Stud Andre feud a little more, and uh, the Jake win having Jake intertwined in there with that Andre feud. But it'd been nice to see. Uh, the eighth wonder uh, get the nod there at a, at a Royal Rumble. I'll say Savage. I'll, I'll say that they um, find a way for the Hogan and Savage feud to be progressed, and he gets the win. So he has that over Hogan as they're building the feud. Um, mm. so, so I'll say Savage. Paula. That's a good one, too. Uh, who would you want to win a Royal Rumble if Big John Studd couldn't win it? Who would you have had won it? Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. And and that could have worked kind of with what I'm saying as well too. Where yeah, with that three in a row. Yeah, and instead of pulling him out, you know, maybe Hulk saves himself and then he beats, he wins it anyway. Further enraging the Macho Man and extending the feud that way. So all right, three good answers there. All right, one more from Paula's cousins. This time Willow the Pillow. Mommy's sending me one, but I think she's still thinking one. Right. She said, if you had to be roommates with a wrestler, which one would you pick? Oh, I know it. Who would you want to live with, Paula? Hulk Hogan, the easiest answer in the world. <laughs> You're going right to Hulk. <laughs> Dave? Oh, boy. All right. Uh, roommates with a wrestler. This, this, this is this is a hard one. Uh, I guess I'm going to have to go with Trish Stratus. Yeah, I was, I, I was, somebody, I was thinking somebody that way, there? too. I was going to yeah. go. say the lovely Miss Elizabeth. I'd like to be roommates with her. Okay. Yeah, she'd be a great roommate. I did Hulk Or maybe be up there. who's the one with the legs that dated Clooney? Uh, Stacey Kleber. Yeah, that, that'd be a great roommate. Stacey. 
Yeah. What, Paula? Why am I the only one? Talking to the microphone. Why am I the only one that chews all coconut? <laughs> That's a good question. Because Dave and I are thinking with a different head than the one you're thinking <laughs> of. With. She's processing that. All right, Dave, what do you got next from one of our other uh, listeners? Okay, the oh. notorious one. Tim Mangione Tim out Mac. in Southern California wants to know. He's got a WCW question for us. So when Hogan decided to lose, which I've answered for him a million times, by the way, in person. So when Hogan decided to lose to Goldberg last minute on Nitro TV in Atlanta, I understand they announced it to sell out the Georgia Dome. Don't you think it was a mistake to lose on TV? They could have just had a DQ because they had to draw numbers and saved it for a pay-per-view. Because it didn't, it did kind of make the following Sunday's pay-per-view hinky. There's a word from the fugitive right there. Because Goldberg was now defending the title against, he says Saturn mid-card, but it's actually Kurt Henning mid-card. Also, CM Punk, CM Punk still sucks. I agree there. <laughs> uh, Tim... Tim, I'll go first. Uh, they did that because they really didn't care about the pay-per-view number buys as much as they did as the ratings, ratings at that time. Yeah. And the uh, Raw has started overtaking Nitro in April, and they won pretty consistently from April to July. So this was Hulk's idea to drop the belt to Goldberg, who was red hot at the time. And what happened? WCW won the ratings that night, and they continued to win the ratings almost every week throughout the summer of 98 because of that. So uh, there you go. And, and then they started, the ratings started switching back and forth to the fall. It wasn't until after Halloween Havoc that uh, Raw completely took over. But uh, I would have had them have a rematch on pay-per-view for sure down, down the line somewhere. I think they they missed out on that. But uh, that that's your answer right there, all about the ratings, and, and it, it sure worked. It was part of their downfall, I think, though, too, focusing too much on a one-off rating and not sort of the development of – your stories and your company, you know, making a last minute decision like that to pop a number one night. I think that's short sighted. Yeah, but they were fighting from beneath because of WWF was able to go so raunchy, you know, uh, Howard Stern, uh, you know, that kind of that kind of thing. Um, South Park was all going on at the time, popular and uh, WCW because the board directors weren't allowed to go that way uh yeah so. i still think it was short-sighted uh, i'm just gonna take your answer i don't i would you know i don't know much about yeah it's just wcw yeah. at that time all right you got another one i do from the biggest fan of the 24 inch podcast kevin hogan and these i did not even read yet so let's see number one as a kid i remember it is from jamie from queens not kevin hogan i apologize okay as a jamie. kid i remember being hey jamie how you doing out there in uh queens I was out there for Motley Crue in uh, June. How about that? As a kid, I remember being happy that the Million Dollar Man didn't win the Royal Rumble. But looking back, I would have preferred him to have won. I also didn't like the fact that Big John Sutton entered so late and ended up winning. If you're going to book him to win, wouldn't have been better for him to have entered earlier and ousted a number of other wrestlers? What do you guys think? I'll go first. No, I disagree with that. Uh, with the luck of the draw, as Jesse says, throughout yep. the whole thing. That's kind of the whole idea of the Royal Rumble. Uh, he did oust a few guys. I believe, uh, you know, but, um, yeah, uh, it's the luck of the draw, brother. Um, and you I, know, sometimes it turned too much into the guy that pulled number one, two, and three, lasting the whole time and winning. I kind of got old. The luck of the draw is the way a real, a re, in a real sport, that's the way it would have usually have went. Right. right? So, um, no, I kind of disagree there. Yeah, and I, See, I think the only reason that works eventually for the number three, let's say, in 92 to win 
is because the luck of the draw had determined the rest of the results, right? So that that, right. that makes it that makes it all the more improbable. You know, if right away with the second version of it at first pay-per-view second time they did it on television not counting the ones they did previously when they were it was sort of in beta it, well then it, it totally eliminates the whole power of the draw and the, the yeah now they yeah. can never use it it yeah. wasn't until the rick flair one that right they started that shit then they never kind of never and then, stopped. They, and then unfortunately they, yeah. they went to that well too many times but um well they they the yokozuna one yeah yokozuna one they went back to normal then they, then they started going the Shawn michaels ones were horrible then they weren't good for a while so uh, yeah, the uh, the flair one was great. So that that one you had your Iron Man, right. but most of the and time your works. Iron Man will win it. And that works because in eighty eight, eighty nine, ninety, ninety one, it was someone late, later in the draw who won. That what that's what makes it so much harder. Yeah, and, you yeah, know, with buy it, buy in the. Yeah. You know, if the number Story six, line. if the number six, six, sixteen seed wins the NCAA tournament every year. It's not that big of an upset when the number sixteen team wins the NCAA tournament. Yeah, right? Jamie from Queens, you're thinking like a smark a little bit yeah. here. I'm a little disappointed with you out there in Queens this week. Paul, Just any- kidding, Jamie. We any- love you. Anything to add on that one, baby? Yeah, I think it. She agrees. Okay, Dave, what else? All right, now Kevin from Nutley is uh checking in with us. Guys, I think that you said in a past podcast that the reason that Big John Studd did not do much after the Royal Rumble win was his declining health. Mm-hmm. Who do you think they would have booked to win if they had known about his health? Who would you guys have booked to win? Uh, actually, it was I think he let he uh, left WWF due to his payoff, and him and Andre not uh, drawing as well as thought of. I don't know if he yeah, had health, but yet at the but time. I think what it was, health or not, it was about the diminished. They had sold Big John Stud coming back had sold Vince that the guy returning was the the, the eighty four eighty five stud. And when Correct. he finally came back, he wasn't that guy anymore. I think that's, no, what, that's yeah. what he's saying. And that's and why it, it didn't last much longer. WWF had uh, changed a little bit by 89. He was, Stud was kind of a little bland, maybe. He he wasn't flashy enough, maybe, at the time. They needed to flash him up a little bit in some ways, give him something, or, or, or still made him. There are too many giant heels, Joaquin, Bossman, Andre. So he had to be a face. Imagine he came in as a heel and team with Andre. Oh, my goodness. But, um... Yeah, uh, but we well we already answered who, who we thought would win yeah. uh, from Chess Quest and Kevin. So if you're listening, you heard the answer, brother. Yeah, and I and I think he though I I do I do think that the main reason why it didn't go further, he might have left because of payouts. But I think the reason he wasn't featured in quite the way that he the reason he was a ref say in WrestleMania five instead of in a huge match was because he wasn't the guy they thought they were getting. They didn't. Right. They 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 sort of made the mistake of pushing. Pushing them before they realized who and what they were pushing. So well, they were blow, they were blowing off Jake and Andre at WrestleMania five. Then Stud and Andre went into the house shows. I don't think it drew uh, what you know what they what they were expected. I don't think Stud really had wasn't really over as a babyface. Sure, either. Yeah. All right, is that it? That's it on my end, That's my friend. It. Anything else for you, Paula? All right. Then, with that said, for the first time in season three, we'll be back in two weeks ish. Everything goes well. We'll be back in two weeks. If I die again or Dave's car gets decides mm. to go on a joyride or one of the many mm. things that derailed us in season two, it could be mm-hmm. longer. But assuming life gives us lemonade and not lemons, we'll be back in two weeks. So between now and then, I ask that you please 
say your prayers, eat your vitamins, and tell your friends about the 24-inch pie pen. Brother. Two front peas.